0: Genesis chapter 2. Go get that. You get what? The Bible. <clears throat> I got the last two times. And we are going to read close, verses 18 through 25. 20. So it should be an easy book for you to find. Genesis what? Genesis 2. Yeah, no, I don't think I verse 18. <laughs> Seriously, it's like not letting me go there. <laughs> And we'll read verses 18 through 25. I'm... Yeah. Okay. This is, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God said, Formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs And so later, we're going to go to Romans 5, and I will want you to turn there, if you have your Bible, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and get my Bible there, so I believe it was Romans chapter 5, so you can go ahead and mark there. We're not in the race, but we've had our Bible every time. You're supposed to bring it with you. (sighs) It's already here, that counts. This isn't warm. It doesn't actually count. This is so if we take it, so if seals. we take it home with us, yes. It if it back. you take that Bible home and you bring that Bible back, you put your sticker up there. You have brought your Bible to church. And you got to read a chapter. But that one's for Sunday school only. I read two. <gasps> High five. Go put your name up there, Tristan. Okay. So, yes, Coming do. back around to what we're going to talk about tonight, our title is "Exposed and Not Ashamed." <laughs> So uh, I think I'll just pray over this real quickly, and then we will get into what we're going to talk about tonight. Lord, I pray that you will just have your way here tonight in this service, Lord. I pray that your anointing would be on our ears to hear what you would say to us, Lord. Help me to speak the words you would have me to speak, Father. I pray that just every single part of this would be of you, and that you would be just in control, and, and we would just be receiving the word that you have for us lord i pray that you will be with each member of our youth group tonight whether they're here or whether they're not here and gone doing something else lord i pray that you would just lead them and guide them and help them to do the calling that you want them to do help them to be in your perfect will right now lord whatever that may be help them to be listening and to be doing what you have called them to do lord i pray that you will just help us god and guide us and and most of all just let us draw closer to be you in your name, Amen. So, what we read here in Genesis is just a beautiful picture of how God provided a helpmeet for man. And so, uh, the Bible talks about how Adam went through all the animals and he named them all, but none of them were suitable to be his helpmeet because it says that God formed those animals, and as God formed them, none of them were meant to be his helpmeet. none of them quite filled the bill and so the lord creates from the man a woman he takes the rib and he creates a woman from the man and adam takes just one look at eve and he's like yes that's it he just falls in love that's that's who it is that is the one that he was missing and and the companionship that he had been longing for so this is the image of Christ and the church in that the church is Christ's bride and the church was made from his body being crucified on the cross and the resurrection because we wouldn't be his church without his death and his resurrection. We wouldn't be able to be his bride. We wouldn't be able to be that because we were literally created from his body he gave his body as that sacrifice and from his blood flowing and the blood and the water from his wound and from his just total sacrifice of dying on the cross the church was born the church became his bride out of what he did so just as as eve was created from adam we are created from christ but the the main verse that we're going to focus on tonight uh, is verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not <coughs> ashamed. So, uh, like I said, our title is Exposed and Not Ashamed. The last few words of that verse. They were not, or almost the last few words. But they were not ashamed was the last few words. So, Exposed and Not Ashamed. So, we're going to talk about uh, some of these definitions. And the definitions of naked is not covered bare having no clothes on as a naked body or a naked limb uh, unarmed defenseless open exposed <coughs> and then the meaning of exposed is laid open laid bare uncovered bless you unprotected made liable to attack so also the definition of ashamed affected by shame abashed or confused by guilt or conviction of some criminal action confused by consciousness of guilt or inferiority by the mortification of pride by failure or disappointment. So they were exposed. They were naked before each other and they were not ashamed about it. They were naked and not ashamed. They were exposed and felt no humiliation. Uh, they were completely real with each other and there was no hiding anything, no hiding any blemishes or flaws that may have been in their bodies. Uh, they weren't hiding it they were just completely exposed to each other adam could see everything of eve and eve could see everything of adam and it was perfect it was still all right they did not feel the shame and humiliation that uh, we may feel if someone saw us naked right now because the fall of man had not taken place sin had not entered yet so it was just it was just fine but they were so real with each other sin had not been committed and it was still paradise so then we know what happened next They ate the fruit and the fall of man, it took place. They brought spiritual death into the world and separation from God. And I just want you to kind of take a minute to think of what a woeful uh, happening that this was. To be eternally separated from your creator. Because we just read how Adam stood there while God formed those beasts. While God formed the animals. And, and Adam was just right there. And he was seeing it take place. He was face to face with his creator. The one that made him. And he was like, oh yes. So he was watching the animals take place. So this was a, a, a close and this was a personal relationship. and And whenever they ate of the fruit of the truth of the knowledge of good and evil that separated them from God, that separated them from their creator. What once had been so easy for Adam to do was now impossible. He used to be able to have just the closeness with God. He was able to experience God just by Maybe even just calling out his name. Hey, God, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here, Adam. What's going on? Oh, you know, not a whole lot. I've just been, you know, thinking about the names that I gave the animals. Oh, yeah, that's nice, Adam. Having just such an, a, a face-to-face conversation with his creator. It was such an intimate relationship that they had, but it now was stripped away from them in that instant that they disobeyed God. And so... uh They uh, then they hid themselves because they realized that they were naked and they did feel shame because sin had entered and then we know what happened. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and now uh, people have been eternally or people had been separated from God. So uh, have you ever felt like a million miles away from God like this prayer that I'm praying isn't going much higher than this. I just I'm not feeling him. I haven't felt him. God is really far away right now. If you haven't felt that way, then consider yourself very fortunate. If you always feel like God is near to you, that is such a huge blessing because sometimes we can convince ourselves that God is very far away. Even though he's not... We can feel that way we can convince ourselves of that well this was actually true they 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 may as well be a million miles away from god because they had separated themselves from him and could no longer walk and talk with him in the cool of the day like they did so and then after the garden of eden we also know what happened after that god made himself a people The Hebrew children and from that people his son was born and that would be an atonement for our sins and redeem us that we may have fellowship with him again and so um, I have the definition of redemption here repurchase of captured goods or prisoners the act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captors by payment of an equivalent a ransom, a release, uh, deliverance from bondage, distress, or from liability to any evil or forfeiture. So Jesus redeemed us. Through Him we have redemption. He went and repurchased us so that we would no longer be separated from God. Have you ever seen the uh, seen one of those, like cartoons or images of how there is man standing on one cliff and God standing on the other? And so then it shows the cross as a bridge for man to get to God. So that's what Jesus did. He bridged the gap so that we could once again have fellowship with God. So that we could once again talk with him and have that relationship uh, as Adam did. And so uh, now let's look at Romans chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And then I'll read a couple of the verses later on in the chapter but we're just going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 11 because this talks a lot about jesus and uh, how he what he did so chapter 5 verse 1 therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, for if when we were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now, by whom we have now received the atonement. And so atonement is an agreement, concord, reconciliation after enmity or controversy. It is satisfaction or reparation made by giving an equivalent for an injury. Uh, So then let's skip on down to verse 12. And then we're going to read verses 19 through 21. Verse 12 in chapter 5 of Romans says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. For by one man's disobedience, Adam, is what they're talking about. Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, which is Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Verse 20 Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So jesus made that way for us sin abounded since the fall of man in the garden but grace did much more abound in the obedience of christ even though there was so much icky yucky stuff grace came in and conquered it all when jesus offered himself for us while we were yet sinners so jesus coming in and being our savior What exactly did that do to restore the relationship with God like Adam had with him in the garden? Did Jesus dying just magically make us all innocent again so that we wouldn't even know what it was like to have ever sinned? No, and I think everybody in this room, including myself, knows all too well what it's like to sin. We haven't just magically become innocent because we have asked Jesus to forgive our sins. Innocence, I heard preachers say, innocence is not righteousness, it's just a lack of guilt. So, righteousness is purity of heart and rectitude of life. It's conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Righteousness, as used in scripture and theology, in which it is chiefly used, is nearly equivalent to holiness comprehending holy principles and affections of heart and conformity of life to the divine law and so that's what we've talked about so much in the past and hopefully we're still pointing you that way but what we are doing in our christian walk is trying to conform to the image of christ And so that's what righteousness is. That's what Jesus did on the cross so that we can be conformed to his his image. So that we can can be transformed into what he is. And innocence is properly freedom from any quality that can injure. Uh, In moral sense, freedom from crime or sin or guilt, uh, untainted purity of heart and life. Freedom from guilt or evil intentions. Simplicity of heart as the innocence of a child. Freedom from the guilt of a particular sin or crime. The state of being lawfully conveyed to a belligerent or of not being contraband as the innocence of a cargo or any merchandise. So uh, we know that children, people always speak of the innocence of a child and how they're just innocent as if they don't sin. And I don't know, Brother Brad said in his sermons, there's nothing more selfish than a baby because they want what they want and they want it now. And I'm telling you, the girls uh, don't, wish they're still children, but Bo hits me all the time. He hits those girls. He's just naughty. But when we look at him, we don't think, oh, that's such a horrible child because he's, He's innocent in the fact that he doesn't understand. Doesn't really quite get that, no, we don't hit people. That's kind of rude, and it's bad. So he's innocent, but that doesn't make him righteous. And it also doesn't mean that he hasn't ever sinned. It just means that he doesn't feel guilt. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying about Jesus on the cross. He died for us that we may become righteous, not so that we may become innocent. But Because to become innocent means that we have no guilt of wrongdoing. We have no guilt that we ever did anything wrong. Well, I'm just perfect now because Jesus died on the cross and I've never done anything wrong. Well, no, not quite. You know, what he did by dying on the cross is so that we can have forgiveness and we can be redeemed and so that he can say, now you conform to my image and now you're going to be like me through my righteousness. When God looks at you through the blood of Jesus, he sees Jesus' perfection and innocence and not yours. He doesn't make me innocent, but redeemed and justified. We are not innocent because we did commit sin, but we are righteous by being conformed to Jesus' image we are without spot and made white as snow but only through his royal blood flowing in us. So whenever we become saved, he cleanses us from that sin and that sin is it's gone. It's not there anymore. But what it's doing is it's making us righteous, it's making us conform to His image, rather than making us innocent, innocent in the sense of a child, and how they just don't understand and they have no guilt. So seeing that Jesus was without sin doesn't mean he wasn't tempted, though, because we talk so much about Jesus, and when Jesus died on the cross, he was innocent of any wrongdoing. He didn't break any laws. I mean he didn't do things the way that the pharisees wanted him to do so in their minds he may have broken a law but even whenever they brought people in to testify to be like come on let's get some dirt on this guy they had to throw out most of them because they were like oh well oh uh, he did and they just they had nothing there was nothing on him jesus walked perfectly and so finally they found some people that were willing to uh, say that he, uh, I can't remember exactly what they, how they got him, but I think it was the one whenever he said that uh, he would tear down the temple and in three days build it again, speaking of his body. Well, then they're thinking about the temple in Jerusalem. So they rent their clothes and they cried out, Oh, no, he must die. So that's what they got him on. And that's why they really took him to the cross. But really they just wanted to kill him. That was really the biggest thing. They wanted him done away with. So Jesus was innocent in the fact that he did not commit a crime and Jesus was sinless. We know that, but that doesn't mean he wasn't tempted. He was tempted of the devil 40 days in the wilderness. Remember that? And he still did not sin. Uh, Jesus' life is not hidden from us. It is definitely out in the open and exposed to us. We can see in the Bible how he was tempted and he was free from sin. And Jesus has upheld his end of this intimate relationship with us as his bride by showing us his true self. He didn't hide anything. There wasn't any secret sin hiding in Jesus' heart. It was all out there in the open. And he was sinless. He was perfect. He, He bared everything within him and he showed it to us in the life that he lived. And we can see that from the scriptures. So what about us? have we showed him who we really are have we become a closed have we become exposed and naked before him revealing our true <coughs> identity he wants to know us and have that intimate relationship with us like adam and eve did in the garden by being completely exposed to each other and yet not ashamed because like i said in the garden between adam and eve they couldn't hide anything They could have i guess but they didn't need to they didn't want to they had such a a pure relationship such a close relationship and there was no sin going on in the garden and they did not need to hide anything they were completely open and exposed to each other so we need that relationship (coughs) with christ we need that intimate relationship where we are completely exposed and showing everything we've got to him And yet not ashamed. Why would we be afraid to show our true selves to him? He said in his word that we can come boldly to him. And uh, I'm going to read three verses in Hebrew chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Jesus the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. With the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's just such an awesome scripture. He invites us to come boldly before his throne. So what I wanted to get at tonight is be exposed before him show him your true self. Bear your heart before him, your mistakes, everything, your character flaws, your failures, your selfish tendencies, your secret lies, your struggles, your dreams, your ambitions, your hopes for the future, your desires, anything and everything. Let it be completely transparent before him so that you are exposed to him. He can handle it. He can can be touched by it. And that's that's the beautiful part of the scripture right here. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The high priest had to obey so many laws. They, they Before they went into the Holy of Holies, they had to go through so many things before they could go in there. That I'm sure of somebody who was just desperately needing a touch from God. Maybe they had, had just witnessed their... their their husband or their wife dying, you know, something like that. They couldn't run and grab the priest and be like, please help me, you know, because, oh, you can't touch me right now. I'm going into the Holy of Holies. I have done everything perfectly and you can't touch me. Jesus is not (laughs) like that. He can be touched by what we have. He can handle it. He invites us to him in our most disgusting state and even tells us to come boldly before him, not hesitating or holding back. I mean, can you imagine being in the most filthy clothes? I don't know what jobs you guys have ever worked, but surely you've done some kind of job outside or, or uh, maybe it's the job that you currently work in where you've just gotten filthy and nasty. Uh, maybe there's grass or hay in your hair or there's dirt smeared on your face or your shoes or you're like tracking mud everywhere. Whatever it may be, you are just the filthiest that you can imagine. Can you imagine pro- approaching the throne of maybe the Queen of England? Can you imagine walking into her presence and coming up to her and being like, Hey, I kind of need something from you. Can you imagine approaching her in that physical, dirty state? I mean, I would be like, "Well, oh, man, I sure would like to clean up before I could see anybody, much less approach a throne, much less approach royalty." But Jesus doesn't say, clean yourself up first. Jesus doesn't say, go take a shower and wash off some of your nasty habits. He says, come boldly. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to be touched by your sin. I'm not afraid to be touched by your failures. You just come on in. I want you to come boldly before me. If we can't show our true selves to Jesus, then who can we show ourselves to? He is the only one that went through what we go through and didn't sin and still shows mercy and grace in our time of need so come boldly before his throne of grace he invites you he beckons you he cheers you come on come to me show me what you got I'm not scared he wants to be there for you you just have to come to him he isn't overwhelmed or tired of hearing about you he wants to be there for you and for you to come as you are expose yourself to the king and you won't contaminate him if you bring your filthy, awfulness to him, he will not be contaminated. Wait. All right, just a second. Sit down. Or are you done? No. just Okay you will not contaminate him because he can't be contaminated he has already won the battle and he has already risen again you won't contaminate him you won't embarrass him he already knows what you're going through he already sees your sin he knows about it it's not hidden from him but he wants you to bring it to him you won't annoy him because he loves the moments between just you and him and so it's a win-win situation when you have such an intimate relationship with Christ and you are completely exposed to him and not ashamed. It doesn't mean that you're being cocky or that you're, you're, you haven't repented. That's not what I mean when I say you are exposed and, and not ashamed. What I'm saying is, is that you're not so ashamed that it holds you back. You're not ashamed of what's going on because you're coming to the one who can help you. You don't have to be so ashamed that you can't come to him. You fully expose it to him and you say, hey, look at this mess. Can you help me with it? I know you see it and and I just want to be real with you. You know, I, with me and Colt, we've really tried to... Uh, or I do, I'm sure we both do, we really talk about everything, you know, we really bring a lot of stuff. And and if something's getting under my skin, or if even there's something that someone has said, you should keep this a secret. And I'm like, oh, I just have to tell you, (laughs) I can't keep it back because I I talked to him about it all. And that's the relationship that Christ just wants with us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to be completely transparent and exposed before him, not being ashamed. So uh, so not being ashamed simply means you have been redeemed and forgiven, so you need not cower in the corner or hang your head as you approach the throne. He said in that scripture, come boldly. That doesn't mean you have to hang your head and go, oh, I've done it again, Jesus. But he, you can come boldly. You know who he is and you know what he's going to do for you. Uh, you can come not ashamed of who you are because who you are is the life of Christ living inside you. He is living inside you. His righteousness is what makes you who you are. You don't have to be ashamed because being exposed is the best place to be in Christ. It means you are intimate with him and he knows you better than anyone else. And you have freely given that to him so uh, are you exposed before him have you brought everything before him or are you trying to hide some things in there are you trying to hide some of who you are from Christ like I said it can't be hidden but you may as well expose it to him and bring it to him rather than wait until he shows it to you or he lets you be exposed before others should that time come it may not ever come but are you living in an intimate relationship with with him he loves you and he wants you and he calls you so just don't leave this room until you've exposed yourself to him and are not ashamed in his presence